This week, this sorry excuse for a podcast is sponsored by Lilith's Mattresses. Lilith's Mattresses have a unique combination of high-performance straw and hypoallergenic newt-scale filling, which delivers contouring pressure relief, core support, and a guaranteed 87% lice-free sleep. Oh, that just sounds awful. In my experience, people need a few lice to remind them that they're alive. Nothing like a good rash to focus the mind. Well, I suppose if you want to spend good money on a glorified sack of straws, I suppose you should get one. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Morris, aka Russ, or Russ, aka Morris, and with me as always is my co-host... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players. Russ has ever delighted to be here. How are you, Peter? I'm superb, thanks for asking. You look tired. I'm a little tired, but um, in a happy way, a happy way. I've been out uh, doing role-playing all weekend. Not just any old role-playing, I hear. Oh, yes, live action, because I am indeed an uber-nerd. <laughs> yes, I've never... No, I did live action role-playing once when I was about 20, I think. Ah, but you didn't inhale. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. <laughs> All I can say. Well, uh, the, the exercise and fresh air are big pluses. The truly toxic amounts of alcohol, possibly less so. Did you enjoy it? I very much enjoyed Did it. Did the alcohol compensate for the exercise? I think the alcohol may have overcompensated. Oh dear. But I got to try all sorts of interesting new rums and delightful things that were described to me as suitable for engine degreasing, uh, but which were, after all, quite flavourful. At a LARP, shouldn't it be LARP-themed drinks? It was, hence suitable oh, okay. for engine degreasing. What was it, what was it called then? It was uh, called No Rest for the Wicked. Oh. Uh, yes, a Scottish LARP which had descended as far down south as uh, West Yorkshire. Shall we get on with the news? Oh. Yes, yes, we should. Yeah, let's do some news about Chinese censors. Chinese censors and their pyromaniac tendencies. Yes. Yes, yes, we should probably do some news about that. Well, Chinese censors rather rudely incinerated the entire run of a Cthulhu RPG sourcebook. Mm, mm. Uh, Sons of the Singularity, they were a yep. sword RPG publisher, mm-hmm. and they kickstarted a source book called The Sassoon Files. Yes. Which was uh, a source book for Court of Cthulhu and Trail of Cthulhu. Yes. Uh, got it printed in China because, no. you know, it's cheap to do that. As you do. Um, the Chinese authorities came along and decided it was inappropriate content and incinerated the lot. To, to be fair, there were a lot of um, Chinese communist leaders mentioned by name in the Kickstarter. Well, it was based on the history of Shanghai. Yes. So it, was, it wasn't just um, no, no, supernatural not. stuff, which they disapprove yeah. of anyway. Yeah, but yeah. also it was based, it was talking about, you know, China itself. Yeah, so the formation of uh, various things. And yeah, like yeah. Shanghai is uh, potentially politically controversial. So yeah. Yes. Uh, I can see that I can, I can see that well, that might be a problem for them, but on the other hand, it's like are you really role playing like in China? Like I don't know, it's maybe Call of Cthulhu is massive in China. I doubt it. It seems well, unlikely. It might be, but it seems unlikely. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, you've got like a billion people there. If, um, well, I suppose with a billion people, a sample of a billion people, someone's going to be. Like 1% of 1% would still be 10 million people. 
Yeah. That would be quite a lot of people playing Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, have some quick maths there. I'm impressed. Well, you shouldn't be. <laughs> should yeah. we move on? We should. Would you like a job? Would I like a job? Mm. I don't know. Do I have to work? Yeah. Oh. Uh, let's, let's keep going. Go this on, tell is me. a job for Wizards of the Coast. Oh, okay. That's a little bit more interesting. <laughs> it means you'd have to move to Seattle. Oh, uh, less, less interesting. <laughs> um, but so, we're playing sort of hot or colder with this job advert. Come on. To be clear, I'm not trying to sell it to you. I'm just telling oh. you about it. Oh, oh, oh okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel any, any obligation to sell it to you. Oh, but, okay. okay. Um, uh, so, Satine Phoenix, who's a Wizard of the Coast community manager. Oh, yes, yes. I'm aware of her work. Her contract ends um, today, in fact, oh. April the 1st. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. It Worth was, checking. It was, it was something announced prior to today. Marvellous, marvellous. Eh? Um, so um, she has been the community manager for a year. So I'm guessing that she was hired for a, a set year contract or something. Yeah, anyway. Um, it's been uh, a year they've managed the community, has, has it were, for the past 12 months, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now oh, there's oh. a job advert up for a new community manager. Yes. We are actually recording this on April the 1st. Um, yes. So the joys of recording this are people think it hilarious, put all sorts of unlikely things. And the people who are very good put things that are plausible. And that means that the error checking and fact checking has to be top notch today, is it not, yeah. Russ? But we'll get on to April Fool's Day a little bit later. Oh, we should, yes. Yeah. Anyway, Satine Phoenix is out. Who's in? Uh, we don't well, know. We don't know. It's a job application. Ah, that would explain the job application part of this. Sentence. Yes. Yes, yes. Next That's news item. item. Yes, yes. Daryl has done another video. Oh, amazing. What's he done the video on? Dragonlance. Ooh, All about in. the history of Dragonlance. Oh, yes, yes. I vaguely recall. Um, has he got special guests on? Uh, or, no, he didn't have special guests on, but he's got uh, some interesting content. Yes, he has some interesting content. He's got lots of footage of a video game that has nothing to do with Dragonlance. Of course. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't quite follow that, but... Um, he has his reasons. He does. A bit, I'm a, sure he'll castigate us properly in the uh, yeah, I'm sure. editor's notes. That's why we are <laughs> so foolish as to have misunderstood the basic reasons why he's got that incredibly relevant game in, and how could you have missed it? Hello, your editor Daryl here. Uh, it actually isn't all that obvious, so it's fine that you're confused. Since the recent videos have gotten into the 20-minute range, it gets really hard to find enough artwork and photos I can legally use to fill the time while I'm talking. So I've started just using video game footage that I've recorded off my Twitch streams so people that are watching the video aren't just staring at a black screen or the same unmoving stock photo for several minutes. Since the only Dragonlance video games are the old gold box games from the 80s and early 90s, I went with a different licensed D&D video game rather than show off those glorious VGA graphics in the stunning 640x480 resolution. Plus, th those games are hard. But, but. <laughs> he does have a very interesting video all about the history of Dragonlance. Ooh. Totally worth checking. Stick the link in the show notes and you can go and watch that video. We should totally watch that video. I really like Daryl's videos. They're yeah, informative. Mm. I think yeah. the next one he's doing is a Shadow Realm one. I'm not sure. So the Pathfinder oh. 2 rulebook. <gasps> the Pathfinder 2 rulebook. Has gone to the printer. Bum, bum, bum. As has the bestiary, apparently. Ooh. Well, these would be useful to have. So I guess nothing's changing now. Yes, yes. Uh, set in stone? Not stone. Paper. Yes. Set in paper. 
That sounds less permanent. Stone tablets. Pathfinder <laughs> 2 exclusive. Pathfinder <laughs> 2 is going to be published in the form of stone tablets. Uh, the, when, when asked about this, Pezo said that they felt that the um, shipping costs were worth accepting <laughs> <laughs> to prevent people defacing their copies of the book. <laughs> Makes it a bit harder to pirate, I suppose. It's the nature of lithography these nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the rage. Yeah. Um, so it's due out in August at Gen Con. Yes. Um, hopefully, with a bit of luck, we'll find out a bit more about it between then and now. Could we get some sort of sneaky preview? Uh, possibly. That would be amazing. That would be amazing, wouldn't that it? That would be. I can't think of anything more amazing than that. The Acquisitions Incorporated book. Ah, yes, yes. So, um, that's got the D&D logo on because it's set in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, so um, the Penny Arcade people teamed yes. up with Wizards of the Coast for this book. Yes. And it's coming out on June the 18th. Ooh. And um, over on D&D Beyond, there is a fairly lengthy preview of it. Ooh. Uh, so uh, it's got player options in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got... Anything sticking out? Uh, yeah, so we've got a cartographer... A decisionist, a documancer, a hordesperson, a lawmonger, an obviator, an occultant, and a secretarian. Isn't a cultant an occult accountant? I'm guessing so. We can but hope. Yes, that does seem likely. There's a new character race called the Verdan. Are they green by any chance? I know almost nothing about it, but I would guess... There is a, there's a greenish tinge to them, just from the name. If they turn out to be like a sort of light blue or maybe in slightly purple, no, well, I would be well, a bit disappointed. Apparently they were pitched to uh, Jeremy Crawford, who's yes. um, one of the editors over at D&D, as sexy goblins. Sexy goblins. Yes, sexy goblins. I see, I see. <laughs> oh, I can see you're getting quite excited. Yes, well, that's, that's certainly one way to interpret this facial expression. Excitement. There, there are other ways to interpret it, yeah. which are not an excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there anyway, Sexy Goblins. I'm sure that'll be absolutely brilliant and nothing can possibly go wrong with it. I think so, yes. Yes. Uh, the mystery of Mordecai's monster. Mordecai's monster? It is a one-page adventure. Ooh. By me. Ah. Um, which you can download for free. Bum, bum, bum. It is one page. Yes. And there's a monster running loose. It's the uncontrolled creation of a mad wizard who likes to sew creature parts together. Seems legit. He seems lovely. Yes. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, it's like he's got these studies. So what can he do but make his own friends? Mm, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what else is there in the news? Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon, yes. Altered Carbon, there is going to be an RPG. Oh, okay. Well, who's that? Richard Morgan wrote the books? Uh, Richard K. Morgan, yes. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Why I haven't not? read the books, but I've seen half of the first season of the TV show. Oh, I see. Yes. So so you're a fan then? It was okay, but it didn't really grab me. But, you know, each of their own. Yes, well, indeed. Um, so, Alter Carbon, it was poof, all about people getting their minds transported mm. across the universe and then... Um, insert into what they call them skins or something like that sleeves sleeves not sheaves that would be yeah. something else entirely yeah yes into sleeves so that they could then use and abuse them and uh, treat I, them like a rental car tell you what I did like about the TV show was how mm. it was more Blade Runner than Blade Runner 
Okay, okay. It just yeah. the visuals of it. Yeah, it just looked yeah. so Blade Runner. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I, I personally was not like hundred percent in love with the book when I first read it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll like it better now. I don't know. Tastes do change, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I think um, I did like some of the other stuff, but I can't remember what it was. Okay, good yes. chat. Yeah. <laughs> good talk, everyone. But okay. <laughs> Breaking news: Peter liked some stuff, but he can't remember what. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Is, I'm is, going to break my flow now. This is pure gold for podcast. It was one about a bunch of yuppies that were on a market forces. Yes, that's the book. And it was all about um, the way that yuppies would uh, get promotion, which was by doing some sort of death race and killing each other. You know the old Talisman board game series? Yep, yep. Um, there's a Talisman Adventures, the fantasy role-playing game, a new edition of that coming at Gen Con this year. Interesting. Do you think it will preserve the flavour of the board game? I know not. Well, I mean, it's a big. It it get, has a big fan base amongst people who like going round and round and round and round and round and round in circles for some time <laughs> uh, before finally one of them manages to Django get past. Django would of, love it. Django would. I be mean, all turning about around that. in circles is possibly his third favourite activity. Um, so players will take on the role of humans, elves, sprites, ghouls or trolls travelling the realm seeking talismans by using a 3D6 based game system which looks like it draws some influence from um, Green Running's Age system mm-hmm. adventure game engine uh, that's the one that they did Dragon Age and yeah. Fantasy Age and yeah. so forth and lots mm-hmm. and lots of things now it's yeah. their kind of in-house core system now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay well as once you've got something that works keep using it that's sure. what I say yeah uh, Fantasy Flight Games would like you to have a free adventure. Oh, that's kind of them. Hmm. It's for their Genesis system. Ooh. It's called Shadow of the Beanstalk. Nice. Or, it, or it's for their Genesis system setting, Shadow of the Beanstalk. The adventure mm-hmm. itself is called Night on the Town. Oh, okay. Um, the Beanstalk is what? Like a it's, space elevator? It's a cyberpunk setting based on the Android series of card games, sending people through the CD port districts of New Angeles. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's like the Netrunner sort of thing, Android, where you've got teams of hackers and counter-hackers and hilarity ensues. Yeah. Mm, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else have we got in the news? Uh, Monty Cook Games have announced... That for the current Kickstarter, yes, um, Arcana of the Ancients, which is the fifth edition conversion of Numenera, sort of. It's a. It's the totally not the fifth edition conversion. Well, the thing of is, they've, as one of the stretch goals for it, they've actually announced the fifth edition conversion of Numenera. Or only as a stretch goal. As a stretch goal, which I think they've reached. I think now. Oh, okay. But, yeah, the actual the actual core Kickstarter is for a fantasy stra- slash sci-fi sci-fantasy. Science fantasy? Yeah. Science fantasy, yeah. yeah. Um, science fantasy sort of more toolkit book, which you could use to run Numenera. Ooh. But this stretch goal is for an actual conversion of Numera, the Numenera setting itself. Fantastic. Fifth edition. Yeah. Sounds intriguing. It does, it does, it does. And I think that is it for the news. I hear on the grapevine, the war is going well. Soon, the humans will fall to our excellent orc army. <clears throat> Stabby? Have courage, Dungface. Yeah. Uh, Stabby, uh, I've just noticed something. These humans, they're all weaklings. Uh, have, have you looked at our banner recently? 
Our banner? A symbol on our banner. Have you looked at it? What? Well, no, uh, a bit. It's a severed hand dripping with blood. Yeah, so? Have you noticed our banner is a severed hand dripping with blood? I and really don't, um, what? Stabby, are we the baddies? Well, maybe it's the severed hand of our enemies. Maybe, but is that how it comes across? The optics aren't good. Well, no, but... Whereas the human symbols, they're all, you know, quite nice. Like suns and trees and unicorns and acorns. I mean, I can't really think of anything worse as a symbol than a severed hand. It's not all severed hands. We also have, like, there's a zombie, a skull, a nice big red eye, and there's a pair of fangs as well. Well, yeah, that's my point. And have you noticed our leader's a necromancer? Well, yeah, that, that did occur to me the other day, actually. I mean, his name is Malak the Maleficent. Clues in the name. Well, it does seem a bit odd to have the word Maleficent in your name. I must say, I'm a bit uneasy about fighting alongside skeletons. Yeah, well, your name is Stabby. Well, it was my dad's name, but I suppose it's a bit aggressive, isn't it? Yeah, mine, mine's Dungface. Uh, do you, do you think we're on the wrong side then, Dungface? I don't know. It's probably okay. By the way, are you attending the ceremony this evening? Apparently we're using a living sacrifice to summon the greater dark god of evil nastiness to slaughter our enemies in the most vile and unusual ways. Yeah, sounds perfectly normal. See you there. So how would you like to play our favourite game in all the world? Boy, would I ever. I don't know, would you ever? Yes. Okay then, let's do it. Woo! Our favourite game in all the world, the game in which I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Right then, are you ready? Woo! Let's do it. Number one. Number one. What is... Yes? Witch plus craft. It's the word witchcraft yes. with a plus sign in the middle. Is it also potentially a cross in the middle? It looks more plussy than crossy, but I suppose it could be. Yes, Russ. Okay. What is witch plus craft about? <laughs> or, or witchcraft, as some might say it. Which, maybe in witch cross craft. Maybe it's the cross product of witch and craft. What would that be? Oh, it's been so long since I've done matrix multiplication. Anyway, moving on. No, it's not witch divided by craft. No, no, no. That, that, that would be an entirely way. different game. <laughs> that would be, as you say, an entirely different game. Okay, um, right. So, Witchcraft, it's going to be... Um, I think it is a game where you play witches. Do you now? I do. Uh, in a shocking twist of originality. But you know what? I don't think it is. I don't think it's a D20-based game. I think they're going to do something entirely different. I'm hoping for... You know, I don't even think it's powered by the apocalypse. I think we've got some sort of, like, new cool system. Well, probably not that cool, but, you know. It'll be like a... It's going to be a system setting designed together. Uh, the game is to play witches, and there'll be an exciting custom magic system, and all sorts of chances to play around in a... Well, it's going to be a pseudo-medieval setting. I think it's going to be fantasy. And um, it could be... The 
a little bit like Ars Magica in that you're all playing witches and you have a coven and uh, then they have like adventures going on. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Okay, then I'm going to give you three out of 40 for that. Okay. Which is probably more than you deserve, but I'm feeling generous. Okay. So witchcraft is in fact a um, uh, magic crafting system for 5th edition. Oh, okay. Fair enough then. Um, so it's designed apparently to be fun to use and simple mm-hmm. to implement um, okay. and can be easily inserted into ongoing games without the need for new characters or reinventing campaigns. Alrighty. It says it's perfect for the ragtag crew mm-hmm. who want to repair an enemy's shipwrecked boat. Why would you want to repair the enemy's boat? I don't know. Like Possibly cunning... it's become shipwrecked after your ragtag crew has landed upon it. Possibly. <laughs> and you wish to repurpose it for your own. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, a cunning ensemble looking to build themselves an impromptu grappling hook. An impromptu grappling hook. Yep. A friendly bard wanting to spend their downtime baking a pie for their party. Yes, yes. This sounds like the sort of thing we need uh, new rules for. Yes. Well, there we go. Um, 80 pages of new content, including the domestic magic crafting system, trade class progressions and customization options, and appendices for rolling flaws and boons, crafting challenges and obstacles, plus a new setting resplendent with rich crafting challenges. How exciting. So the, uh, the important part of this is the craft bit rather than the witch. It's like... When it's spell crafting, it doesn't mean crafting spells. It means using spells to craft things. Should we move on to the next one? Yes. Yes, if we must. Cut to the chase. Yes, I wish you would. Come on. (laughs) Oh, I see. That was the title. Yes. Oh, uh, that's the sort of title that gets my attention already, sir. That was awfully witty of you. I'm impressed. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, I only spend about half my time trying to be witty, which makes me just for half wit. But, you know, I, I hope one time to progress uh, to full-time wittiness. <laughs> anyway, uh, cut, cut to the, the chase. chase. Yes. Yes. Ha-ha! <laughs> Synchronised speech. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can't speak until someone says your name. Ha-ha-ha. Yeah, so cut to the chase. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 will, I will actually start doing this in any second now. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, we've indu- indulged in the most circumlocutions. Circumlocutions? Yes. For Cut to the Chase, which in fact should be the cutting to the thing. And I think what it is, is it's a... a ba, 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 ba. It is a compendium of advice for GMs on how to uh, quit their waffling and do the most effective ways of running a game so that they can, like, you know, just has it says on tin cuts to the chase uh ways to frame and set and sort of do the on the fly editing that rpgs really need to um like shine to sparkle to like you know spark that pizzazz that makes them the most interesting group art form that one can indulge in as opposed to just like being a dull snooze fest where someone reads in a monotone from inside a book and then everyone else is like oh i hit with my axe if anything, and then rolls a d20. Ah, no, this is for the excitement. Um, it could even be like a way, I imagine, I'm hoping for like a extension part where it's got like a bit on how to do your own, um, not podcast, your own actual play. That'd be amazing, yeah. Uh, uh, or uh, maybe has another stretch goal, they've actually got some rules on how to implement chases successfully in RPGs because that's always one of the really annoying things to have to do. That was long. You're welcome. <laughs> Should I have a cut to the chase? <laughs> it uh-huh. would be nice if that's what it was. 
But what is it? It is not that. So what did you get for the last one? You got um, three points out of 40. I did. Yeah, and this this time you're getting minus 40 points out of three. Intriguing. Mm. So what this is, is a two-player RPG. One person, one person, one person plays the hunter, the other the prey. Okay. The characters have opposing goals, but the players work together to create an exciting chase narrative where each player sets scenes for the other to get through. Hmm. Okay. Um, okay, but... <laughs> and then how... So I guess it's sort of a cooperative game in that they... The idea is not to create a scene that the other would not be able to get through it at all. I would guess, yeah. So the... It's kind of collaborative sort of system, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, interesting. Hmm. Does it say anything about how they intend to implement that, or...? No. Okay. Well, I mean, presumably there is if you went to the Kickstarter and delved into the details, but not, yes, not yeah. on this summary, no. Fair enough. Uh, when does that Kickstarter close? That Kickstarter close on Friday, April the 5th. Friday, April the 5th. Yeah. So, as you're listening to this podcast, you have exactly, pretty much no time at all to get in and back it. Hmm. But, yeah. Uh, yes, okay, so cut to the chase. Hmm. And in, it's certainly an original idea... If not what I was expecting. Hmm. Okay. Next is... What is Simba, Mother of Darkness? S-Y-M-B-A-R. Mother of Darkness. Hmm. Well, it's not The Lion King, which was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> um, I wonder if it might be related to the Simba Rune, which is the Swedish RPG setting. Um, yeah. Simba Rune. There's like a Mother of Darkness, which will be some sort of elder entity that's lurking there in the shadows ready to devour brains in the Simbaroon role-playing setting. Hmm. Uh, it's like a sort of a source book slash adventure all about that. Well, you are correct. It is the Simbaroon RPG. Woohoo! It is an adventure. Woohoo! It's the fourth adventure in a series oh. called The Chronicle of the Throne of Thorns, an adventure path even, Ooh. you might call it. Um, Some might, I wouldn't. No. Enter the vast forest of Davokar yes. on a hunt for treasure. Yes. Lost wisdom and fame. Fame? It's like the X Factor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the X Factor for adventuring parties. Yes. <laughs> and here we have Frag Skull Splitter. What's, what's your talent, Frag? Frag Split Skull. So, so the Mother of Darkness really? is what the witches of the barbarian clans call the ruined city of Simba, Ooh. once the capital of the empire of Simbarum. Bum, bum, bum. There we go. That, I think, is the end of our favourite game in all the world. Ever. Yes. Is it your favourite game in all the world? Mm, yeah, it's definitely a game that I can enjoy playing with you. <laughs> um, what do I get for that last one? It is a game and it is in the world. I'll give it that much. Yes. <laughs> favourite might be pushing it a little. What was my score for the last one? Um, or do you only give me scores you did, for that you, one? you did pretty well, no, yeah. I, did. I reckon a good 8 out of 10 for that one. Fantastic. Yeah. I guess it's time for the topic of the week. So, what day is it today as we record this podcast? Monday. The day before Tuesday. <laughs> First of April, yes. Monday, it's the April 1st of Fool's April. Day. Yes. Fantastic, yes. Uh, so, um, on April Fool's Day, people do tend to post April Fool's jokes. Shocking. And I thought maybe we could round up a few of the sort of uh, April Fool's jokes that people have posted yes. and maybe have a quick look at some light-hearted games you could play on April Fool's Day rather than some of the grimdark sort of serious games that obviously fill your day otherwise. Oh, yes, I am 
a child of the inner darkness. <laughs> um, so what you know, I've got a, I've got a pet peeve about April Fool's Day. Oh, yes, I, I I enjoy a good April Fool prank. Okay, but it has to be clever. Yes, it cannot just be posting a lie. Anyone can do that. I can yes. just I can just say um, I don't know. There's um, there's a pack of playing cards in that drawer. That's not okay. an April Fool's joke. It's just a lie. That's true. Yeah, and so when when people just post a lie, yes, I was like, ah, try again. It's got to be clever. It's got to be funny. Ah, being funny. Mm, Raising it's be funny. the bar that's the point. on April jokes. It's got to be funny. Jokes. It's got to yes. be funny. Got and that's why the, the ones that are just a fake product announcement, I don't generally like unless the fake product is actually funny in itself. Mm. So if someone just said, oh, fake product announcement, there's going to be a new Red Dwarf RPG. Okay. That's not an April Fool's joke. It's just a lie. That, that is true. It's just <laughs> it's lie. Not, it's not a prank in the slightest. No. So... No. Here we go. I was looking at this article over on Gnome Stew, and yes. they have for April Fool's Day yes. posted the April Foolio of Fiends. Oh. So they've got a few um, yes. interesting monsters here. So ba- basically, there's a, there's a collection of critters which uh, are available uh, on. I felt my will save versus that pun. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's available on Drive Through RPG. Uh, the proceeds yeah. are going to benefit a children's charity in the oh, US. That's nice. Uh, called Child's Play. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the one Penny Arcade's really big on. Yeah, I think quite yeah. a lot of the RPG companies over there um, support that one. But they've posted a few of them. So uh, there's the. Uh, there's the the Mapless Fury. Oh. Tell me more of the Mapless Fury. In a world full of monsters, traps, portals to unknown dimensions, and inns full of quest-giving magicians, yes. sometimes you get a little turned around. That is true. Only the most foul of creatures would take advantage of these moments of assistance to send you in the wrong direction. Oh, the hound. The Mapless Fury has no mercy when it comes to disrupting your travel plans. Shocking. Um, these these are all for fifth edition, by the way, D and D fifth edition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the Mapless Flurry is a challenge one medium chaotic neutral undead creature. Has as you'd expect, yes. And it has the ability to uh, <laughs> yes uh, dominate travel. It chooses a creature that can understand spoken language. Yes. And begins to give them directions. If they fail a wisdom save, they follow whatever directions they're given for one hour. Interesting. Hmm. Yes, as opposed to the normal state of affairs where someone tries to give you directions and you're so busy looking, concentrating on looking like you're paying attention that you fail to take in a single direction <laughs> that's been given. Yes. Yes. Uh, they've also got the Mimic Beer. The Mimic Beer. A nefarious creature. Yes. It slips into taverns, alehouses, and other establishments that serve fine drinks. Oh, Ah, yes. Mimic beer will peruse nearby labels of dwarven stouts, halfling porters, gnomish lagers, and elven pilsners until it finds an appropriate draft to take the place of. Elven pilsners? Mm. Elves clearly don't drink pilsners. No, they're definitely they wine drinkers. Yeah, 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 fruit wines <laughs> yeah. and mead. Like anything made from flowers, from honey, that sort of thing. Elves are all over that. I don't even pilsners. imagine they would drink alcohol anyway. Well, not not like seems a bit it, frivolous. It, 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 they'd have like a little drink just to show you willing, but then not like, yeah, mm. stop it. Whereas to get truly wasted, you need a dwarf and gnomish lager. Mm. I, I would not drink a gnomish lager. I wouldn't drink a lager, but a gnomish one, you, you just know it's going to be slightly metallic tasting. Yeah, um, and they will put something in it like jalapenos or something, yeah. just because. So the mimic beer is for fate. So these are different. So oh. I said earlier they were all for D and D. The first one was for D and D. This one's for fate. Okay. Uh, the next one is for dungeon world. 
Yes. And it's the NAB Catcher Bot. The what Catcher Bot? The NAB, N-A-B, ah. Catcher Bot. I thought this article was going in an entirely different direction. Please continue. A mad scientist yes. once thought he'd solved his city's stray dog problem yes. with a robot programmed to round them up humanely. Mm-hmm. But then, like most interesting robots, it got some ideas of its own. Oh, awkward. This nab catcher bot has gone off script and decided they needed to help in the canine revolution that only they see happening. Okay. Hmm. As a result, this nab catcher bot has been causing chaos throughout the city as they round up all the cats they can find, as well as the occasional squirrel and raccoon. Well, that's just hilarious. There we go. Uh. Uh, we have for fifth edition the Anger Drake. Uh huh. We have for fate the Grumble Face, a fae that has attached itself to mortal rituals surrounding coffee. Ah, I see, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, we have the Dracomantic. Chorosaurus. Dracomanticorosaurus. Say it a third time. See if it Dracomanticorosaurus. So for Dungeon World. So it's what? It's like a cross between a dragon, a manticore, and a dinosaur? I guess. Yeah. 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 It seems to be all the things, yes. And what, what's its particular stick? Apart um, from being hard to pronounce. Yeah, well, it's for Dungeon World. Um, I don't really understand Dungeon World's stats, but it's got an instinct to charm, prey, preen, and act with disdain. Special qualities, entrancing look, shooting tail spikes. <laughs> it is indeed all the things. Mm. Yes. Well, yes. Sir. We have a little bunny tooth tooth. That's a lengthy poem. Yes. So it's, it's a big long poem there. And then it's a fifth edition creature. Challenge one. Yeah. I suggest we do what we do. What I always do with a uh, Tolkien poet and skip straight over them. Yeah, and there's more, but I, w- I won't read them all. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Dame Shu, for the content. Appreciate yes, it. yes, indeed. Uh, what else do we have? Your editor, Daryl, here with a quick update. The Shiro role playing game, unfortunately, was, in fact, an April Fool's joke, and it was of the variety that Morris talked about before. It's not funny, it's just a lie. The good news, though, is that because she was showrunner Noelle Stevenson expressed interest, plus the general positive reaction to the fake announcement, there are apparently now early talks going on for an actual She-Ra role-playing game. Not involving the people who made the prank, however, but by industry veterans such as designer Crystal Fraser and publishers like Green Ronin. Is that the She-Ra role-playing game? Uh, yes. Um, well, that was an April Fool's joke. Then the, well, I assume it's an April Fool's joke. It's been tweeted on April Fool's Day. Yes. Uh, there's no link to a company or product page. And it's all about the She-Ra role-playing game. Aww. And there you go. There's a picture. Boo and or hiss. In September 2020, we will all have the power. I mean, maybe it's real, but it, I, I am pretty sure, given the day, it's, a, it's an April Fool's joke. Um, yes. Yes. has a triple player characters for their Star Trek role-playing game. It seems legit. It Why does not? seem legit. Yes. Um, um, that is their um, April Fool's offering. Um, if you want to play a triple, yes. head on over to modifius.com and there are tribbles there ready for you to play. Do they have you can a- lie around, squeak and multiply. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much what you do anyways. <laughs> well, yeah. Sometimes I divide as well. Um um, Chaosium did a little, little sort of RuneQuest tweet. Oh, really? Um, so those who are fans of RuneQuest will get this. Those who are not will not. Uh-huh. However, um, Chaosium's tweet is a RuneQuest update. Yes. Recently discovered writings by the late Greg Stafford 
Ooh. have revealed the famous sable tribe of Prax does not ride a type of antelope, as long supposed. That's Instead, it seems they really get round on giant minks or weasels. Updates will be made to all relevant PDFs. That's excellent news, important information. Yes. Um, so, did you want to have a look at some light-hearted games? We could have a look at some light-hearted some games. light-hearted games, because I have a list of them. Okay, yes. And I will say in advance that I have not played any of these games, so we can merely speculate about their nature. Yes. Or, or you might be. I, I might have played some of these games. Let's give it a try, shall we? Yes. Number one. Yes. So, we have Toon, the cartoon role-playing game by Steve Jackson Games. Oh, wow. That rabbit's seen some shit, man. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's like a thousand-yard stare. Mm. So this is the, like the granddaddy of all comedy games. Right. And you can play like Roadrunners or Tom and Jerry and all that sort of stuff. Or the gadgets from Acme. You can paint mm. tunnels on rock walls and all that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. Um, no one ever dies in it. Well, indeed, why would you? You're a cartoon. You're exactly. pretty indestructible. So when you lose all your hit points, you have mm. to sit out of the game for three minutes and then come back fully healed. Marvellous. Wonderful, isn't it? Um, so you end up just taking all these crazy risks and doing silly things without the game, playing a cartoon character. As you should. Yes. Um, Starline Publishing have a game called Made. Made? Oh, mm. I've heard of that one. Why have I heard of that one? Well, it says here it's the Japanese version of Toon in many respects. Mm-hmm. Your characters are all maids in an old mansion run by a mad master. He needs you to perform all manner of strange tasks to keep the household working properly. Even getting him breakfast can be a crazed adventure. I don't quite see how this is the Japanese version of Toon, but still, especially with all the maids jockeying for position to be the master's favourite. Okay. I think you'd have to be rather more into anime to really get the best of that. I don't, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, this one we've both played. It, 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 it wouldn't... I, I, I would be intrigued in a sort of cautious fashion to see what sort of pre-existing adventures were out there. Yeah. But in a sort of... Vaguely horrified. Will, will my eyes be able to unsee what I see if I go looking? Mm. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Mongoose Publishing's Paranoia. Ah, yes. Well, we've both played Paranoia. So Absolutely. there we go. I was totally wrong when I said I'd never played any of these games. I have played Paranoia. Not Mongoose Publishing's version, no. Okay. I think I... Well, it depends on when it comes out, but I probably have played Mongoose Publishing's. Mm. But yes, Paranoia. Excellent fun. You have a bunch of clones who are variously commie in a society where being commie... A communist, a mutant, or a member of secret society are all absolutely forbidden. Mm. And, of course, your clones are all of the above. Mm. Um, unknown to friend computer, the terrifying artificial intelligence that looks over you. Um, and then there are various ways you can play it with a very serious, like, you know, trying to manage uh, in a sort of very grim setting or just trying to kill each other as mm. fast as possible whilst not being um, destroyed by friend computer. Yeah. Your editor, Daryl, here with a quick update. A Paranoia video game was announced today, Wednesday, April the 3rd. The game will be out on PC and consoles later this year. You can find out more, including see the trailer on the official Twitter account and Facebook pages at Play Paranoia, no space. Um, you'll like this one. Yes. It's a Savage World Games. Savage World Games? Savage Worlds game. That's that free Aris. Yeah. Um, a Savage Worlds game called Low Life. Ooh, from okay. Mother Oif Creations. Mother Oif. Mm. It's an insane game that yes. suits long-term play set in the distant future mm-hmm. where humanity is a long-forgotten piece of history. 
Interesting. Everyone is now the evolved descendants of the things that tend to survive apocalypses. Apocalypso. Molds, fungi, cockroaches, etc. Yes. Okay, then. Um, it's both alien and strange and offers a great way to play the usual sort of adventures with some very strange adventurers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I guess watch out for salt and cans of raid. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to play a cockroach and now I can. And on that bombshell... Of those two facts, one of them isn't true. Plot twist. Both of those facts <laughs> are true. Hol, <laughs> H-O-L. Yes. Um, from Dirt, Merchant Games and White Wolf. Yes. Um, this is um, it's a funny read, this one. It stands for Human Occupied Landfill. Joy. Takes place on a vast planet that's used as a galactic rubbish tip. Okay. Um, the book is handwritten and it began as an indie game. And White Wolf liked it so much they pre- reprinted it mm-hmm. so it could reach a wider or- audience. Okay, then. Uh, oh, we mentioned this earlier. It yes. does exist. Yes. Red Dwarf. <sighs> from a company called Deep Seven. Alrighty. Offers full detail on playing dogs, cats, humans, holograms, and killer robots, Yay! among a host of others. If, as a game master, you despair, your group tends to be more like Red Dwarf than Farscape, put it to the test and indulge them. Best served with a nice curry. Oh, and a pot of lager. Do you like curry? Yeah. I'm a big, big fan of curry. We should go out for curry sometimes. That'd be pretty sweet. Curry yeah, yeah. Uh, Passion de la Passionis. I don't even know. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that at all. This is uh, Latino uh, telenovelas. How, how, would you, how would you pronounce that? Uh, Passion you? de las Passiones. Something like that, yes. Yes. You have to put it, you have to say it, but with more uh, passion. Yeah, my, my ability to do accents is non-existent. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Do a good West Country or... <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the Apocalypse Engine. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Characters range from the gangster boss, the yes. matriarch, the innocent, the manipulative seductress, to the twins and the heroic lover. Everyone is wealthy, attractive, and smoulders with unbridled passion in every form. Overplay everything, make convoluted plans to secure the one you love, or destroy a hated enemy, and try and do it all with a straight face. You know what? Like, I'm not normally the biggest fan of the storytelling games. I've not found them satisfying, but I would so play that game. <laughs> That's the absolute perfect conjunction of system and setting right there. That That's going to be an amazing... Wow, yeah. Okay. Mm. Sign me up. I'll play that game. Anyway, I'm sorry. How about Fiasco? Is Fiasco an RPG? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, um, I've, I, I'm not. I've always been a bit ambivalent about thinking of it as an RPG. Um, I have. Have you played it? No. Oh, I, I have played it. Um, and essentially, you just go. You go around and create like the setting together, and then you create. Um, then you suggest the scene that you want to be in, and then someone else is in it as well. It's designed for a single session, isn't it? And it's it's yeah. quite storytelling. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's all about how to get yourself into as much trouble as you possibly can. Mm. It's like, you know, it's, but you're not, you're sort of portraying rather than playing the character mm. um, in that there is necessarily like, it's not something that one is invested in actually playing mm. as a character. 
Yeah. So that sense of immersion, I guess I just don't like it because they don't get the sense of immersion from playing the characters because I'm constantly having to break out to think of ways to make the story. Fair enough. That's quite a decent little list of light-hearted games you could jump into for April Fool's Day, though. At least one of which I am all over, like Wife and Rice. I would add Ghostbusters to that list because that's Absolutely. another silly light-hearted game which yeah. you play basically... Well, I mean, you that, giggle your way through it, essentially. Yeah, there's that one in six chance of something horrendously awful going wrong. Yeah, I don't think it has to be awful. It just has to be a sort of thing. Yeah, thing. stuff has to go sideways. It's yeah. the best way. Yeah, well, I think it's good because like, um, some, some people take their role-playing very, very seriously. Other groups mm. are just like Monty Python jokes all the way through and there just isn't, a, you know, it's complete levity the whole way through. Uh, I, I prefer games where you can have a variety of tones. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like it helps you appreciate the humour more if you have some drama and makes you appreciate the drama more if you've got some humour to lighten yeah, Exactly. It. Pacing, tone. We agree on something. Yeah, oh, it, had to happen it did have to happen sometime. <laughs> oh. I, I posted on our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. Here's the place to post your Patreon questions for next week's episode, which we record on Monday. Ask us anything as long as it's about RPGs and we'll try to answer it. This week, we'd like to focus on questions not about us or our favourite things, but more about gaming in general, advice or suggestions perhaps. Think of it as Patreons Ask Questions, a.k.a. Morris and Peter Solve Your Problems, or P-A-Q-A-K-N-A-P-S-Y-P for short. Because I know you do like... Oh, yes, that, that sounds like a much more Morris sort of title. <laughs> you, you do like an acronym, so there you go. Pakakamapsip. Can you say that? Pakamapsip. 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 There you go, Pakamapsip. Pakamapsip. Patreons ask questions, aka Morris and Peter solve your problems. There you go. There Easy. we go. Pat Hammer's sight. Yes. I'm, I'm just thinking, and this is a crazy idea. What do you say, Russ? What do you say? How about if you actually want to record your questions? Well, so that would be even better. That would be amazing. Do it. Record oh, yourself. Yeah. Send us through like a link or an email or something. You put it on the Patreon, though. Yeah, put it on the Patreon. Like, yeah, this, 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 this is just for you special people out there who yeah. are sending us that. We have 22 love. patrons. Ah, God bless them, everyone. Okay, then. So let's start with. Ian Donaldson. Hey, Ian. Ian wants to know... Yes? Are there any tabletop gaming aids you cannot do without when GMing? Uh, dice? I'm generally pretty reliant on dice, even if I'm going completely freeform. Okay, I think we can we can probably take dice as, as a given. Um, I'm super visual-oriented, so I very much... like I, I can do without it, but what I really like is I need a pen like some board pens and like a sort of a battle map to write on mm. because I just use that so much. It's like, it, it's a, a large part of my communication requires me to like, when I'm setting up a game, like all the people know each other then it's like, you know, writing out the names and how they introduce and providing a relationship diagram um, to doing a sort of like a brief sketch or theater of the mind um, to even just recording the weird and wacky things that players say, uh, yeah, I very much appreciate having a battle map and pens to write on it with. I really enjoy one of those magnetic initiative trackers. Ah, uh, like yes, having yeah. a player take charge of the initiative, so I don't have to mm, do it, mm, mm, and mm. they can just write down their names on the little things and just rearrange them accordingly. 
it makes it go much much faster and mm. much much smoother and oh. i don't have to track that oh yeah I, I don't get them to write it on the battle mat itself well, you could do that too yeah that's, that's what i do when we haven't got the map when we haven't got the tracker yeah. uh, they're quite handy little things yeah. uh, pathfinder well i like i like when the players can see the initiative chart so yes. they know they're coming up so they can be ready oh yeah absolutely I don't... gotta make that initiative pop man yeah although I have lately been using like the little hats that you sometimes get it's yeah. basically a folded over bit of card that you whack on top of the GM screen mm. and then you sort of arrange that in the order of who's acting when yeah I don't use GM screens so. no no, no, not no. a fan of the GM screen no um, but, but you can still use little hats and you just move them around yeah just makes it a bit easier what to see what other accessories do I use I mean I, I always try to use miniatures when I can because I like them Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people are sort of against them, but I'm I'm a fan of miniatures. Now my gaming tends to be a bit more mobile, so I have a collection of like um, very small discs. They're yeah. about a centimetre across. I've got red ones, green ones, and blue ones. I've got some white ones as well, which enables me to well, do a full colour coded set. Accessory. So uh, yeah. one, one thing we use a lot is when you've got a whole sort of like you've got seven different goblins and you're trying mm-hmm. to track the GM's trying to track the hit points and yep. any sort of conditions on each and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to distinguish between them. Yes. And we used to just write uh, Swordy, Macy, depending what they've got, or Slightly Blue One, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until we got some old bottle um, top things in different colours, mm. and you just throw them over the top. So you've got a red one, and a green one, and, a, and it's just like a little plastic ring you just chuck over the top of the miniature. Okay, yeah. And there it is. And then we upgraded. Ooh. We searched online to find out whether there are any better solutions. Yes. And you can get these bases, mm-hmm. which are miniatures, which yes. are perfectly sized for a miniature to slot into. Mm-hmm. And you just get them in different colours. So they come in mm. red and blue and green and black and orange. Etc. All this sort of stuff. And they come in, you know, they're designed specifically for miniatures. So you get medium size, small size and large size ones. Yep. And it's the perfect way to distinguish between them. Mm. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Um, I have lives without but prefer to have with me um colored stones colored mm-hmm. glass beads okay uh they come in a variety of sizes i've got some white ones some amber ones uh green ones purple ones um unlike a variety of colors yes. i use these for um initiatives uh, not initiatives conditions um to represent things like a uh, and also i often use them as inspiration markers oh i just like to inflict the condition on the player Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually paralyzing them with, with a swiftly placed uh, vial of uh, neurotoxin. Some people don't like it, but really, they, they really need to get on board with <laughs> Why it. Why isn't Bob talking? No, he's paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, tabletop money. Mm. I, rather than having um, money recorded as a number one account to shake. I like to have an actual currency, and you can nice. you can just grab you know just a cheap way of doing it, some monopoly money, yeah, 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 or some plastic coins, absolutely, or if you even make your own, I guess, out of paper, or you can buy some quite nice card ones. Well, this is, this is a secret vice of mine that I am very fond of the metal coins that one can occasionally yeah, or get. The, yeah, you can get you can get metal <sighs> ones. I, I really they come, they, they come in bronze and silver and gold. But, it's but, nice. What, but what I did, I just went into a toy shop in town and yes. bought just like a great big bucket full Ooh, of plastic coins nice and you know it's yeah. a lot cheaper than wearing the metal ones know, but, uh, but, it, but it's very satisfying but you know what else you could use real money use a pound coin for every gold piece no it's that's good because like yeah they, they, these things are quite quite decently sized and the thing is when you get them in like a little patch you go blam and whack it on the table yeah. it's like got real sets of weight to you don't it really want to do that with like 400 pound coins <laughs> Well, no, because I'll have it in the bank or spend them. <laughs> £400 coins. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, but you'd get 400 gold in a game, wouldn't you? 
And it will certainly pose... Uh, a, it's like the weight of money and carrying it around is actually quite interesting, really, because... Mm. Uh, but I suppose that's uh, very, very veering off into a discussion of encumbrance, mm. uh, which is everyone's least favourite subject to talk about, mm. because everyone recognises it's important, but how one actually implements it is quite a tricky one. Again, you just simulate it with the player. Anything your character's carrying, you have to carry. <laughs> For those listening along at home... Russ is receiving my best impressed face. <laughs> no, honestly, this is what I look like when I'm impressed. Please continue. Okay, we've got another question. Oh, another question. Huzzah! This one's from Shane. Hey, Shane. Uh, I recent- the whole question? I, uh, it's very long. Um, okay. I recently discussed the possibility yes. of starting a new campaign yes. and having the players create their characters without knowing the name of the campaign yes. or any significant details. Okay. Most of the characters, most, most of the players were okay. Yes. Uh, one strenuously object, uh, objected. Yes. Uh, he says, I'm sure there are pros and cons for this approach. Yes. An interesting food for thought from different yes. sides. What are your thoughts and advice? Um, he also goes to point out that this, this was just a sort of musing. It's not like it, he fell no. out with his players. No, 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 no. It's like, um, it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all, all friendly and stuff, but someone's like, um, yeah, it's really interesting because the nature of the role-playing game club I'm running at the moment means that we actually see quite a lot of pitches go out because we have relatively short seasons of about mm. six weeks or so. And from the player side, because I'm actually getting to play. Mm-hmm. That's what is that, man. Um, there, especially with things like, say, 5th Ed D&D, mm-hmm. there's a tendency to create a character that is more focused on mechanics mm-hmm. uh, because you don't know necessarily what else is out there. And so you want to, like, potentially have levers to pull. Mm-hmm. And if the levers the levers of D&D are essentially combat mm-hmm. in large part or a bit of magic, but the exact nature of the magic is going to depend. Mm. Um, so I think that's, that, that does influence your designs, like the tendency, well, I don't know what else to do. I shall optimise something. Whereas the more you know about a setting, the more temptation, a good temptation, to create uh, non-optimised characters, ones that... Um, fit a specific theme or story mm. within the game. I think it really does depend because there's like a variety of different ways to make a character. And in my opinion, they're not wrong. Like you can create one that's optimized for stuff and then put stuff in afterwards to explain how you got here. Or you can throw some points at a table. I think you're wandering off topic a little bit here. Well, it's related because the person who was complaining is clearly someone who, well, I don't know. I think it's clearly someone who they like to make their characters by coming up with their vision of a character first based on the setting and story and then filling in the numbers and blanks afterwards. And here they're just being like, well, I don't know. I don't want to play someone who's completely useless. I think there's another aspect to it, though. If you're playing a long-term campaign with a character, Mm -hmm. then there's a good chance you're going to go through more than one adventure with that character. Yes. Unless you're, you know, you're just like going curse the stride, beginning to end yes. new characters. But a lot of campaigns are a lot of linked short adventures. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to have a lot of different types of adventures yes. during that period. Mm-hmm. So whatever type of character you come up with, you might you be, you know, you might, one week you might be in the middle of a jungle mm-hmm. fighting giant spiders. The next week you might be in a court 
um, doing some intrigue, and then the next week you might be and fighting giant spiders. And fighting giant spiders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the next week you might be doing something else entirely. Um, and fighting giant spiders. And just, but always, always <laughs> fighting giant spiders. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that, that's our that, advice. Always make a, make a character designed to fight giant spiders, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard to go wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think in a sense that only kind of applies to how the campaign is going to start. Mm. There's a good chance that the campaign is going to evolve and change anyway. So if I said I'm starting a campaign uh, tomorrow and you can play, mm-hmm. what character would you make? Well, ass- assuming this premise where I, I've got no idea what the campaign is. Correct. Uh, like now, you've no idea what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I would probably go with a wizard mm-hmm. of some variety. So in a Savage Worlds, Stars of the Depths sort of campaign, which is a strong science fiction, you'd be like, well, I'm a conjurer of cheap tricks. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I had to go. I, I had to go with the assumption that my characters are out in the setting. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to create a, you know, a minotaur in a, a Call of Cthulhu campaign because it doesn't. Well, work. maybe you should. Well, maybe I should. I, I, I think minotaurs do work in some Call of Cthulhu settings. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the Laundry RPG, which is a modern day setting uh, where they have a very interesting sort of pseudo-historical alternate timeline going on mm. where um, Medusas and Basilisks and uh, indeed Minotaurs pop up from time well, to time. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we got a question from... I don't, I don't know if that helped, Shane. I mean, I, no. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, you kind of want to discourage metagaming a little bit. You want to surprise the players a bit. Well, well, and, yeah. I, and I, I do get that. I, I also get yeah. the idea of a player not mm. wanting to feel useless. Or completely out of place. So I, I, I also sympathise. I mean, hating spoilers is a thing for me. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very, like, you know, really super anti-spoiler. Mm. Has Russ, has Russ knows for my, ins, my insistent, like, you know, tiny cries of new spoilers. Vader's Luke's dad. Ah, uh, you monster! He was a ghost all along. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I hit Dumbledore twice at the end. Ah, how would you like that? Uh, I'll serve you for trying to read Harry Potter ten years late. Yeah, I said it. Um, mm. yeah, so, um, but there is a certain need to prepare for games, and one of the very frequent problems that springs to mind for, say, the Rangers in Dungeons and Dragons, is that they never know where they're going to be playing. So it's like their favourite terrain is a thing, and they're like, well. Where am I going to be? Well, so I remember one guy yeah. once tried to spin. My favourite train is outside. <laughs> it, it's a legitimate thing to say. Like you can't, ha- you you know you're always going to be a city, but you can't have favourite terrain city. Mm. No tra- And I was trying to play a game with a ranger working with GM, and he wouldn't tell me if favourite terrain coast was going to be relevant, mm. or should I go favourite terrain jungle? He's like, oh. okay. I think it's a trust thing. I mean, yes. if, if you're going to do that, yes. I think the players need to trust that you're going to still make sure that whatever character you make is, is going to have stuff to do. Is, yeah, and yeah. it's super relevant. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think that's like the major issue. It's like nobody wants to have a character that is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. So you, basically, I think it's a totally fine way mm-hmm. to do it as long as the players trust you to not, you know, totally screw their characters over. Well, I mean, you know, but you don't want them to screw your their characters over on an outer character basis, whereas, of course, maintain the maximum screwage over in character so they get the maximum amount of plot and fun. 
Mm-hmm. We have one more question. Yes. This is a technical question, so yes. I don't know if you can answer it. I haven't played um, Ooh, fifth edition okay, okay. recently, so I can't. I don't think I can answer this question. But um, according to the, this is from Bernie Monsanto, one of our oh, earliest yeah. uh, patrons, so we should oh. try and answer it at least. Thank you, Bernie. Um, according to the rules, you can cast one spell and one cantrip. Yes. You cannot cast a spell with the words bonus action as an extra spell, right? Um. Ah. So why have a bonus action spell? Why not make them all bonus action spells, or the opposite, make none of them bonus actions? Yes. Um, the yeah. The, basically, um, if we say if we define cantrips as non-leveled spells, then you have the action cast a spell. So you can cast a cantrip has an action. Some spells have a casting time of bonus action, so you can. Um, cast a spell which is a cantrip and a level spell has a bonus action you can't cast a leveled spell and then as a bonus action cast another leveled spell on the same turn that is specifically excluded but many people conflate this and say you can't cast two level spells per turn but this is trivially disproved with the action exchange someone uses the action cast a spell to cast fireball an enemy spellcaster says oh no counterspell and then has a reaction you cast counterspell thus having cast more than one spell on your turn and you would also have the situation where you can cast two spells as an action on your turn by having a two level dip in fighter for action surge all right so basically you can't you can't cast a leveled spell as a a non-cantrip spell and a bonus action spell on your turn um but you can cast a cantrip and a bonus action spell on your turn, no problem at all. I know it's a little bit con- complicated, and it's potentially not the best explanation, but I hope that does answer your question, Bernie. There we go, right. Um, again, again, a marvellous question that's come in. Do you have any opinions or preferences on the use of your Roll20 Fantasy Grounds for online gaming? Yes? Uh, no. That's fair. <laughs> not, 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 not used either. I have neither, not used either of them before in my life. I yeah. couldn't... Oh, all the only thing I do know is the what sword is new is available on Fantasy Grounds, and that would be the major selling point for <laughs> for your point of view. Uh, other, other than that, I uh, sorry, I'm woefully uninformed on this subject. Yeah, um, Fantasy Grounds I've never used. Uh, although, if I want to uh, run what sword is new online, I would definitely go and use it there. Uh, Roll twenty, I have used. I find it does not suit my style of online role play because. I don't like interrupting people, believe it or not, if you've been listening to this podcast. So I tend to type things away. So I actually prefer using Skype for online role-playing. Okay. Yeah. Although Roll20 does have like little macros and stuff to let you do stuff. And you can do all sorts of things with dynamic lighting. So if that's your bad, go for it. But again, I haven't been using it like to run a game. So I don't have a strong opinion either. Hmm. Well, there we go. Fantastic. I'm really sorry, Ian. Um, that's not super helpful, but... We yeah, do the best. <laughs> uh, you, you've asked us if we have strong opinions, and the answer is... We do not. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But thank you for the question all the same. Um, yeah, so head on over to Patreon forward slash... No, patreon.com forward slash Morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. Uh, each week, I will ask you to get your questions in for the week, and we will do our best to answer them. Marvellous. Um, I guess that's it for this week. Yes, I guess it is. Right, yeah. so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. We will talk to you again next week. 
until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. You can find me on Twitter, at Morris. Goodbye. Goodbye.